Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts. We have been looking at the book of Acts and we've been doing a series of study through the book of Acts and we've talked about uh, our desire to, to see God ignite our hearts and to cause us to be on fire for Him. And we've looked at the, the uh, activities of the early church uh, up to this point and we are continuing to look and to see what God is doing in their life and the life of uh, that church so that maybe our church could possibly have some kind of semblance of of what uh, God might do in us and, and in a special way just like He did in that church in the first century right after the Pentecost. And so, uh, but uh, when you look at, at this pa- uh, portion of Scripture that we're going to look at today, Acts chapter 5, uh, you kind of sit there reading it and you kind of wonder in yourself, uh, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Sometimes uh, things are not always what they seem. And sometimes bad news is really good news. And sometimes good news can be bad news. Uh, that's kind of typified in the story of two ladies that met uh, after not having seen each other for some time. And uh, they began to, to share with one another about uh, what they've been doing and, and the kind of things that they've been up to. And, and one of the ladies said uh, uh, to her friend, hey, I got married. And the other one said, uh, well, that's a good thing. And she said, no, he's ugly. And she said, well, that, that's a bad thing. And she said, no, it's a, uh, uh, it's a good thing because he's rich. And she said, well, that's a good thing. She says, no, it's, it's not uh, a good thing. It's a bad thing. Uh, he... Uh, only spends money on what he wants. And the other one says, well, that's bad news. And she says, no, it's good news because he's built us a beautiful house and we have all kinds of beautiful things. And, and so that, that's good news. And, and the lady said, well, that's good news. And she said, no, it's bad news because the house burnt down. And uh, the lady said, oh, that's bad news. And the other one says, no, it's good news. And she said, why? And she said, well, he was in it and he left me all the money. Uh, so uh, uh, it's not, uh, sometimes it's kind of hard to tell if some things are bad news or good news. And, and we kind of see that in this passage of Scripture in terms of, of some of the things that's been going on. Now, in chapter 4 and chapter 5, we see the power of the Holy Spirit working in the lives of the people of the early church and they begin to do some great things and God is working and moving in their midst and so much so that they're meeting all of the time and they're together and they're spending together uh, time together in their homes and breaking bread and, and God is moving in their midst and, and but yet there's problems and uh, uh, they, the problems stem from not having enough money to take care of things. So some of them have, have gone to the extreme of taking all their pose, uh, possessions that they had and they would sell their property and, and donate that money to the, uh, to the church to help uh, those who are in need. That's a good thing because God is working in their lives in such a way. But it's a bad thing in that uh, you have two that 
that want to try and make it out like uh, they've been given uh, everything that they have. And some of you know the story about Ananias and Sapphira, about how they uh, tried to make it look like they sold their property and gave all the proceeds to the church so that their status amongst the believers would go up. And, and uh, yet they kept uh, money for themselves and they kept uh, a, a large portion of it for themselves and acted as if they gave everything to God. And, and the Holy Spirit knew it and directed the the prof, uh, directed the apostles to to share that with them and and of course uh, they paid with their life Ananias and Sapphira did uh, for lying to the Holy Spirit uh, that sounds like a bad thing but it's a good thing in that it teaches us that we should not uh, lie to the Holy Spirit and, and I think Peter was the one that said look nobody told you you had to sell all your belongings and give it, give it to the church nobody even said you had to give all of it to the church but you have lied uh, to the Holy Spirit try to make out like uh, you've given it all and so uh, God judged them for what they were doing and, and uh, because of that now we come to the portion of Scripture that uh, deals with what's been going on. As a result of, of all this that's been happening, the disciples are out teaching in the community. They're out teaching in the temple. <coughs> Excuse me. And large numbers of people have come to know Jesus as their Savior. Verse 17 says, Then the high priest took action. He and his colleagues who, uh, who belonged to the party of the Sadducees who were filled with jealousy. So they arrested the apostles and put them into the city jail. The reason that they were uh, filled with jealousy is because people were following after the disciples and their lives, livelihood... Uh, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, uh, they, they gained status in their community by being the keepers of uh, the religion, the keepers of, of really access to God. They, they, their status in, in the, the, the uh, nation of Israel was, was tied to the fact that they knew the law. They knew and understood what uh, they believed God wanted the people of Israel to do and how they were to worship. And so uh, they uh, lorded that over other people and they uh, became jealous when the disciples began to share the gospel, began to share with people in the temple, and they uh, put them in jail for teaching about Jesus. But an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail during the night and brought them out, talking about the disciples, and said, Go and stand in the temple complex and tell all the people about this life. In obedience to this, they entered the temple complex at daybreak and began to teach. One of the things, uh, first things that we can see from this passage of Scripture about uh, having your heart and uh, soul ignited by God is, is it's going to cause some people to be unsettled. Uh, the uh, Sadducees were unsettled at what was happening because it it, it caused uh, the status quo not to to be in play any longer. Uh, but uh, that wasn't the concern of the disciples. Their 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 whole thing. Uh, one of the things that irritated me the most when I went into ministry, and, and you need to hear that for what it it really is. I love God, and I wanted everything uh, within me. From a very early age, I wanted to serve God. 
the problem is is that uh, that when you enter into ministry it's not always what you think it is uh, and and I, I was willing uh, with Robin and I we uh, joined together in marriage and and we began to try and serve God the best we could but we found out quickly that uh, when I became uh, first became a pastor that there's some that want to play politics in the church and and that's what's happening here with the Sadducees they're playing politics with the disciples they're upset because they're no longer considered the authority they're upset because the attention is going away from them to the disciples and it's upset them and it's caused them to to have great distress but when you're on fire for the Lord, when your desire is to serve Him, you don't care about politics. You don't care about whether or not uh, you're seen as somebody in charge. You don't care whether or not you have clout or, or prestige or anything. Your whole desire, as the desire of the disciples is, is to share the gospel. Their whole desire was not to, to, to rise in stature amongst the uh, uh, Sadducees and the Pharisees. Their whole desire was not to become head of the Sanhedrin. Their desire was to share with others about what Jesus Christ had done. And as a result, they were thrown in prison and they were uh, there in prison. And when, uh, secondly, when you serve God, God's going to watch over you. When you're a servant of God, when you're uh, serving God and doing what God desires for you in your life, God's going to watch over you. God's going to put you in the place you need to be. And uh, so the disciples are there in the jail, and, and in the middle of the night, the angel of the Lord comes and opens the doors, and they uh, proceed to go out, and they, they're told, go and ahead and stand in the temple and uh, tell people about this life. One of the things that, uh, that you need to understand when you have the Spirit of God upon your life, it's not about speaking in tongues. It's not about uh, healing people. It's not about all the, uh, uh, using these gifts and, and receiving recognition. It's all about sharing with others about Jesus Christ. If you have, uh, listen, and one of the greatest problems and temptations within the church has been for people to see their gifts of the Spirit as some sort of status symbol. Well, I'm a I'm filled with the Spirit because I'm doing this, or I'm filled with the Spirit because uh, uh, God has allowed me to do that. I'm filled with the Spirit, and this is proof of of the Spirit being on me. I got news for you: it ain't about you. Amen. It's not when you have the Spirit of God on you. It, it's not about you. It's not about what you can do. It's about telling others about Jesus Christ. It's about sharing with others about Jesus Christ. God didn't give you your gifts and talents so you can sit around and say, Hey, look at me. Look at me. I can stand up and I can exhort others. I can stand up and I can prophesy. I can stand up and do this or do that. I can just have I have the gift of discernment. Look at me. It's not about you. 
It's about sharing Jesus Christ with others. And if you're not using your gifts and your talents to serve God and to tell others about Jesus Christ, then you're using your gifts and talents in the wrong way. You're not using what God has given you according to why God gave it to you. He gave it to you to share with other people, to share uh, with other people about Jesus Christ, about the life that God has called you into, into. And in obedience, the disciples went out the very next day and they began to share in the, in the very place they were, uh, they were just imprisoned. They were in the temple complex when the Pharisees had, uh, I mean, the Sanhedrin had them arrested and they had been put in the city jail. And uh, so they were right there uh, in jail because they had been teaching about Jesus Christ. And what do they do? They go right back to teaching about Jesus. Not in hide. They didn't say, okay, we'll have a Bible study in the home and y'all come here if you want to hear about Jesus. They didn't do that. They didn't go out and say, okay, well, we'll have a, a tent meeting over here way outside the city where we won't offend anybody. No, they didn't do that. They said, we're going to go right back to the heart of the matter. They went back to the heart of the community, the temple, where people were already coming searching for God. And they went and they shared with others how they could get to know God and how they could grow closer to God. When, when you're on fire for God, when, you're on, uh, when you have the Spirit of God igniting within your heart, your desire is to tell others about Jesus no matter what may happen. And that's exactly what the disciples did. They went back. And what happened next? Well, if you read in Scripture, you'll read, When the high priest and those who were with him arrived, they convened the Sanhedrin and the full center of the sons of Israel and sent orders to the jail to have the, the disciples brought. And what they were going to do is they were going to come and put them on trial and give them a stern warning. Don't do that no more. But when they went to find the disciples in jail, what they find? The uh, they went to the temple police, and when they got there, they didn't find them in jail. So they returned and reported, "We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing in front of the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside." And the captain of the temple police and the chief priests heard these things. They were baffled as to what could come of this. And then someone came and reported to them, "Look." The men that you put in jail are standing in the temple complex and teaching the people. And then the captain went with the uh, temple police and brought them in with, without force because they were afraid the people might stone them. Now let me just tell you something. They weren't afraid that the people would stone the disciples. They were afraid the people were going to stone the temple police and the Sanhedrin. That's what that's saying there. It's not saying that they were afraid that, oh, we're going to take them into our custody and we're going to do it without incident so that the people don't rise up and, and stone these disciples that we're taking into custody. No, they were afraid. They gently went out there and they said, hey, would you come have a word with us? They didn't rough them up. They didn't put them in handcuffs. They didn't uh, 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 go. Uh, they didn't uh, march them through with their hands behind their back. Uh, bound or anything, they gently took them. Why? Because they knew the people were for them. They knew the people were uh, be having their needs met. They knew that God was working in their li uh, lives and in them, and so they were afraid 
that the people might rise up against them. And when they brought in the men, verse 27, uh, they had them stand before the Sanhedrin and the high priest asked, Hey, didn't we strictly warn you and order you not to teach in this name? The name they're talking about is the name of Jesus. And look, you've filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to bring this man's blood on us. Again, this is why the Sanhedrin is all upset, not just because all the attention is leaving them, but that the disciples are saying, look, these are the people that had Jesus crucified. These are the ones that had the Messiah, the one that we've been looking for, put to death. These are the ones that are doing this. And they understand this and they know this and they're upset about it. That Peter stood up and, uh, and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you've murdered by hanging him on a tree. God exalted this man to the right hand as ruler and savior to grant uh, repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. We are witness of these things, and so the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to, uh, uh, to those who obey him. And so the disciples said, look, we're, we, we're going to obey God. We're going to follow Him. Look, there's going to come a time in your life when, if you, when you have the Spirit of God in your life, you're going to have to make some tough decisions. And those decisions are going to be, are you going to follow what the establishment wants you to do? Are you going to follow what some people might tell you that you need to do? Or are you going to follow after the direction of God in your life? You're going to have to stand. You're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to follow God or am I going to follow what other people want me to do? And many times you may be called upon to make an unpopular decision, a decision that, that some people aren't going to agree with, a decision that is not going to be uh, uh, put you in good graces with some others. But you need to make the right decision to follow after them. And look, uh, here's the proof. They said, look, we're just obeying Jesus Christ and we know we have the right authority to do that. Why? They give evidence of it. They give proof. They say, look, you murdered him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him up. He said, if you want to have any proof as to who Jesus is, look, you tried to quiet him by murdering him and putting him on a, a hanging him from a tree, but God raised him. Then not only that, but God not only raised him, but God exalted him and uh, put him on the right hand as ruler and savior to grant and re repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. They said, this is what we're teaching, repentance and forgiveness of sin. This is what Jesus Christ is... Look, they've gone from being accused and standing on trial to giving witness of Jesus Christ. And that, uh, when the Holy Spirit has is, is filled your life, God's going to open doors for you to make witness and testimony to everyone. Well, it's not always accepted with the, the best of, of uh, uh, intentions whenever you do follow after God. And this is what happens. Verse 33, And when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. They were enraged and wanted to kill the disciples. You see, not everybody 
accepts the message of Jesus Christ in the way that they should. They don't always accept this message of God's love and about God's repentance and God's forgiveness. Why? Why didn't the, the Sadducees receive this? The Pharisees receive this? Because they felt they were the ones who would determine how God would grant forgiveness and repentance. They were the ones that, uh, that, that they felt should be the ones to tell people about God's forgiveness and God's love. And they were enraged and wanted to kill them. And then a Pharisee, it says in verse 34, And a Pharisee uh, named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was respected by all people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men to be taken outside for a little while. He said to them, Men of Israel, be careful about what you're going to do to these men. Not long ago, Thaddeus rose up claiming to be somebody and a group of about 400 men rallied to him and he was killed and all the uh, partisans were dispersed and came to nothing. And after him, Judas, a Galilean, rose up in the days of the census and attracted a following. And that also... Uh, that, that man also perished and all of his partisans were scattered. And now I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. For uh, if this plan or, or this work is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even be found fighting against God. So Gamaliel is trying to give them sound advice, trying to tell them, hey, you need to be careful as to what you're doing. You need to be careful on how you trod in this situation because if it's of man, it'll amount to nothing. If it is God, it will not be quelled. And after they had, verse 40, after they had called the apostles and had them flogged, they ordered them not to speak the name of Jesus and released them. And then they uh, went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin. Now you would think they would be sore from being flogged. You'd think they'd be upset about being reprimanded. You'd think they'd say, okay, well, you know, we did our part. We went out and we knocked on doors. We went, uh, you know, if this was the modern church, they'd say, you know, uh, we went out and we knocked on some doors and we told some people about Jesus, uh, but they slammed the door in our face. They, uh, we had some people complain to us about being pushy and, and going through the community and, and they've told us not to do it anymore. We just sit back and not do anything anymore. Well, that's not what the disciples did. Here they, they were flogged. They were beaten. They were abused for what they had done simply for following the, uh, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And what they do, they left rejoicing. They rejoiced because why? Because they had had the opportunity to be, uh, to be persecuted in the name of Jesus. And, uh, they were dishonored on behalf of the name of Jesus Christ. And every day in the temple complex and in various homes, they continued teaching. Did they hide? Did they stop telling others about Jesus? No, they went back to the very place that they were arrested from twice now, and they continued to teach people in the temple. They, uh, they continued to have house meetings and continued to share with people about what Jesus was doing. They continued with boldness to tell others about Jesus Christ. And not only that, uh, they continued proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah.
they didn't temper their words. They not only did they keep on teaching, they didn't muddy the word, uh, the message. They didn't, you know, they they didn't see uh, see some persecution for what they were sharing. And they say, well, maybe we need to back off the stuff about Jesus, and we just teach and, and tell people about God and tell them about one that they, that God has sent. Not tell people about Jesus anymore. No, they didn't. They didn't cover up their message. They were bold in their message. They were uh, forthright with what God was telling them they needed to do. They continued with boldness and rejoicing at what God had allowed them to do. Well, we need to think about our testimony here at Mount Olive. We need to think about what God is, is doing here. We've been given an opportunity to share the message of God. And we we should be in prayer that God would give us boldness to have the fortitude to share with others about Jesus Christ. And even in the midst of uh, that, if even in the midst of persecution, we would have the same kind of boldness as the disciples to continue to tell others about Jesus Christ, to continue going out and telling others about the love of God, telling people about Jesus Christ and what God has done for us through the shed blood blood of Jesus Christ. We ought to be fervent with what uh, God is leading us to do. And we ought to tell others about what God has done for us. You know, I can't understand some of these churches that when it becomes politically incorrect to tell people, oh, I'm sorry, there's only one way to Jesus Christ. Oh, really? So I remember uh, a well-renowned uh, pastor who's pastor of a mega church in Texas. He was on a talk show, and, and the, the talk show host uh, said to him, I'm of Jewish persuasion, and so you're telling me that, that when I die, I'm, I'm not going to go to heaven? And instead of giving the clear message of the gospel, this particular pastor said, well, I'm not the one to make those decisions. And he hummed and hawed, and he didn't give a clear message of the gospel. And in my opinion, I don't feel like he's doing anything other than just having church, uh, church services where they come together and talk about how good it is to be loved of God and this kind of thing. He never stood for the gospel message. We've got to be fervent to stand and declare the message of Jesus Christ. When God gives us the opportunity to stand before the multitudes, when God gives us the opportunity to stand before just one person, we should never waver in our message that Jesus Christ has come to save those who are lost, that all of us have missed the mark, all of us stand short of the gospel, and we need to to give our heart and lives to Jesus Christ. We need to allow God to come into our heart, to allow Jesus to save us from our sins. We need to allow God to speak through us, never once waver at the message of Jesus Christ. If we're going to be people on fire for God with burning love for Jesus Christ, we need to stand for Him in every situation. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to be like these disciples. Help us to stand and firm 
and declare your love. Lord, help us not to waver. Help us not to get uh, become uh, intimidated by the rest of the world. Lord, help us not to falter in sharing the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Help us always to stand with boldness, with burning love within us, and declare your love for the rest of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.